sent to the Thrive Women Clinic, or you can give it to us. We support them monthly. We can also support that too. So thank you, Vicki. Awesome. Uh, we're talking about, in this series, things that go bump in the night. Did anybody remember when you were little and uh, <clears throat> when you go to bed and you'd maybe get scared in the night? And uh, I, I always remember looking at my closet and seeing the people. Uh, <clears throat> it seemed like my clothes became people that were watching me. These are really bored people, apparently. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and so I would uh, eventually cry out to my dad, you know, my dad, he would come and uh, he would come and turn the light on. It's amazing, just like that, just a little bit of light on the subject and everything was better, everything was, was gone. So that helped me. So how do we over, you know, how do we let God turn the light on? When we cry out to him and we, we, we need to overcome things, we're overcoming all kinds of different fears. There's, there, there's, there's more than just fear. There's different kinds of fears. So today I want to talk about overcoming the fear of failure. How do we overcome the fear of failure? Some people, some people are so fearful of failing that they never fail because they never try anything. So they, they just opt out. They're failing by default. You know, so they don't seem to fail, but they fail because they're not willing to try. Uh, more likely, most of us fall, fear failure because we have failed. Anybody here made any mistakes in your finances? Anybody here made any mistakes with your children? Anybody here, uh, you, know, it's a, you know, I could just go on. In your marriage, in your job. I mean, we've all, through the course of our life, we've, we've made and normal to failed at things. And it's really... So you see the hands going up. It's pretty normal to fail. I mean, think about this. The creator of Apple computers, Steve Jobs, and Steve Wozniak. Steve Jobs dropped out of college at the age of 21. <clears throat> he didn't believe in conventional education. And uh, he and Steve Wozniak created the first Apple computer. They tried to sell it to Atari. Atari, uh, Steve Jobs worked for Atari designing video games. Steve Jobs... Uh, Steve Wozniak worked for Hewlett-Packard in their printer division. And uh, so they were both, uh, had this idea, they put this computer together, and they went before Atari and Hewlett-Packard, they were both rejected. They weren't interested in this personal computer that was easier to use. Uh, So they produced their own, eventually produced their own computer, Uh, they, uh, Steve Jobs had to sell his Volkswagen, and uh, Steve Wozniak had to sell his uh, calculator. Uh, <laughs> both treasured, both treasured things, and they produced this first user-friendly computer. Uh, they sold for six hundred and sixty-six dollars and sixty-six cents, which some of which would identify that's that probably Apple computers are the beast. So, uh, uh, which I'm holding one in my hand. Uh, so I'm keeping the devil in submission. Uh, so the first one, they sold $774,000 worth. Three years later, they released the Apple II, and sales increased to $139 million. Today, Apple is worth $2.45 trillion, which is about uh, more than the GT- GDP of most countries. <laughs> so it's amazing. 
Bill Gates, first country, first country, first company, Trafodata, a device which could read traffic tapes and process, process the data, failed miserably. When Gates' partner, Paul Allen, tried to sell it, the product wouldn't even work for them. So they failed. They say that Albert Einstein was, had a difficult childhood. Uh, in fact, many people thought he was just a dud. He didn't speak for the first three years of his life and throughout elementary school. Many of his teachers thought he was lazy and wouldn't make anything of himself. He was always received good marks, but his head was in the clouds, conjuring up abstract questions that people couldn't understand. Uh, so he was uh, deemed a failure. Bethany Hamilton, you may remember the movie that came out about Bethany Hamilton, the surfer, had her arm bitten off by a shark. Hamilton started surfing when she was a child, age 13, and almost deadly shark attack resulted in her losing her left arm. She was back on her surfboard one month later, and two years after that, she won first place in the Explorer Women's Division of the NSSA National Championship. Stephen King, a lot of you have probably read Stephen King's novels uh, or seen the movies. Uh, his first novel was rejected 30 times. Most people would have quit before then, right? Now, King's books have sold over 350 million copies and have been made into countless major motion pictures. Thomas, and, Thomas Edison failed a thousand times before improving the light bulb. Uh, Thomas Edison did not invent the light bulb, but he improved. He saw that there was uh, opportunity to improve it. And so uh, he was trying to expand the life of the filament in the light bulb. And he tried a thousand things. He said, now I have found a thousand things that don't work. And he was finally successful. And then you can add to this all kinds of biblical characters. As a matter of fact, virtually every biblical character, very few exceptions, failed. I mean, you begin with Adam and Eve. They failed. Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Samson, David, big failure. The reason Solomon, bigger failure. I mean, it's, 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 it's one of the reasons why I believe the Bible. If, if I was going to write a book where I wanted to convince people to follow my religion, I would make my heroes look better. But God doesn't do that because it's not about the heroes. It's about the God of the heroes, right? So they all failed at times. Peter got rebuked. Thomas doubted. All the disciples ran. Paul persecuted. So failure and adversity and overcoming adversity are quite common. So how do we overcome failure? How do we overcome the fear of failing? The number one thing is, is you got to get up. After you fail, after you fall, after you mess up, you have to get up. There's no benefit in wallowing in your failure with self-pity and remorse. Failure is only final if you quit. Proverbs 24, 16. Where the, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. But the wicked are brought down by calamity. So the Bible says the difference between a wicked man and a righteous man is that a wicked man just gives up. He falls down and said, well, I can't help it. That's, that's the way it is. But the righteous man just keeps getting up over and over again. C.S. Lewis says, Satan's strategy is to get Christians preoccupied with their failures. From there on, the battle is won. 
Thomas Edison once said, many of life's failures are men who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. They were right on the edge of seeing all their toil, labor, sweat, sweat, and sacrifice pay off, and they gave up. To quote Edison again, he said, nearly every man who develops an idea works it up to a point where it looks impossible, and then he gets discouraged. That's not the time or the place to become discouraged because perseverance is a great element of success. If you only knock long enough and loud enough at the gate, you are sure to wake somebody up. So what do you do? You need to get up spiritually. You need to get up. If you fall spiritually, in other words, if you've, if you've sinned, what do you do? You ask God for forgiveness. You get up. Have you sinned? Have you messed up? Is anybody in here not sinned and messed up? Of course. We, the Bible even says we all stumble in many ways. So as we stumble along, as we mess up, how do, you, how do you overcome it? Well, you stop, you get up. You get up spiritually. You ask God for forgiveness. What happens when you ask God for forgiveness? He gives it to you. You get up again. You get up emotionally. Sometimes you need to not only ask God for forgiveness, but you have to forgive yourself. And not define yourself by your failure. You have to get up experientially. You know, what if you've tried? Well, try again. Keep trying. You have to get up. Number two, learn everything you can from your failure. In other words, learn from it. Don't waste your failure. See it as a learning experience. Just like Thomas Edison said, I've seen a thousand things that didn't work. Now I know what does work. But he had to eliminate the things that didn't work. Successful failures, people who succeed in overcoming their failures, face their failure honestly. Instead of looking for a scapegoat, they look for a solution. Dr. Roland Nednagel says failure isn't failure unless you don't learn from it. So you have to reject rejection. It means, you know, failure does one thing, it humbles us. Humility is a good thing. It's good to be humbled. Condemnation is not a good thing. And there's a, often a fine line between humility and condemnation. So we need, to, we need to learn humility but reject that sense of condemnation that comes from the enemy that says, oh, you're never going to make it. You're never going to succeed. You're always going to so fail. See, you keep saying you're going to do better. You don't do better. And so we have to overcome, we have to humble ourselves before God, but resist the condemnation that comes from the world and from ourselves. We need to see failure as a teacher, not as a judge. We need to allow failure to teach us lessons, but not to define our identity. So we don't base our self-worth on our success or our failure. You know, your self-worth is not based on your net worth. <laughs> your self-worth is not based on your success or your failures. Your self-worth should be based on your relationship in Christ. Your self-worth needs to be defined by what Jesus did for you, what he accomplished for you, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension to the Father, his love for you, his choosing you, him calling you into the kingdom of God. I am chosen by God. And so our, 
our destiny, our identity is in Him. Failure is not an identity, it's an incident, it's something that happened, it's not you. You may have failed, but you're not a failure. Was it something you did wrong? Is there something to learn? You see, so I don't want to waste this failure, I want to learn from it. So what do I need to take forward and what do I need to leave behind? I mean, a lot of the hard lessons that you have in life actually help you move forward. You learn lessons about money and credit and what not to do. A lot of times in life it's like, okay, I know, I also, I know what to do. I also know what not to do. Attitudes, habits, sometimes even people must be identified as either vital components to your comeback or contributors to your setback. You should have to say, is there some change that need to be made? Was there something that you should have done that you could have done differently that might have changed the outcome? So you got to get up. And secondly, you need to learn from your failures. The third thing is, is that you need to get close to God. You'd think a preacher would say that, right? Psalm 34, 18 says this. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. We want to run to him, not from him. Hebrews 4.15 says this about Christ, understanding he's our high priest. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So what do we do? We run to God. There's, there's a story in the New Testament. We have the story of two characters uh, Judas and Peter. Judas and Peter are more alike than you would think they are. You think about this. Judas was the only disciple from Galilee. He was a Jewish patriot. Jewish patriots wanted to see Israel return to their former days of glory. So he, he was wanting uh, the Romans to be kicked out. He was wanting the Messiah to come and kick out the Romans. But he came from a wealthy family. Peter was a self-made businessman. Peter was probably not poor. It appears that he had a couple of fishing boats. He had partners with him in his business. And not only that, he was a leader because he led other people to follow Jesus. Both had chosen to follow Jesus. Both men had been called to follow Jesus. But both of them, at some point, questioned Jesus in his leadership. In John chapter 12, I love this. If you haven't read the story about Mary, took a pound of very costly perfume and pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, he said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. <laughs> a great line. He said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box. 
He used to pilfer what was put into it. Jesus therefore said, let her alone in order that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Now, don't you think it's interesting that Jesus put a thief in charge of the money box? Think about that. So when Judas eventually betrayed Jesus, it wasn't the first time. There was a series of little betrayals. There was a a series of little thefts taking a little bit of money, a little bit of rationalization. Oh, this will be all right. They won't miss it. They don't, I need this more than they do. To where there was the final betrayal for 30 pieces of silver. It was, a, it was, big failures often don't take, they're not a big one thing that happened. It's often a lot of little bad decisions that follow along where we don't take care of the daily stuff and by not taking care of the daily stuff and submitting the daily stuff to God it gets easier to do the make the big mistake further down the road even Peter he 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 questioned the leadership of the Lord uh, in Mark chapter 8 verse 31 and he began to teach that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again and he was stating the matter plainly so Jesus knows that he's gonna die on the cross he knows he's the Messiah and the Messiah is gonna die and it wasn't well understood by the Jewish people that the Messiah was going to suffer and die. It wasn't that that it was never taught, but generally they saw the Messiah who was going to, in essence, come in on a white horse and destroy the Romans and reestablish Israel. They didn't, they didn't, they they saw it as a limited uh, Messiah who was for the nation of Israel. They didn't see him as a Messiah for the world. But Jesus is telling them plainly, listen, guys, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to crucify me. They're going to kill me. But I'm going to, don't, don't worry about that. That's not the end because I'm going to come back from the dead. So he's, he's telling them plainly. But Peter answered and said to him, even though, no, he says, he says, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Right? That's, I'm not, you know what, I skipped down a verse. That's not it. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Verse 33. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. Then both of these men failed in their commitment to follow Christ. In Matthew 26. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it's written, I'll strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But... After I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. But Peter answered and said to him, Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly, I say to you this very night before the cock crows, you shall deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all all the disciples, all the disciples, Judas is in the bunch. Never is in the bunch. And all the disciples said the same thing too. They said, we'll never deny you. And Judas walked out and betrayed him. And before the night was over, Peter had betrayed him three times and denied the Lord. So they both failed. Judas failed. 
Peter failed. What's different is how they handled their failures. Judas failed, and he, instead of running to God, he ran from God. Matthew 27, verse 3. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what's that to us? See to that yourself. So he threw the pieces of silver into the sanctuary and departed, and he went away and hanged himself. I guess that's the ultimate quit, right? Peter, on the other hand, so Jesus is dead, he's resurrected. Peter one day says to his fellow guys, hey, I'm going fishing. So they went out fishing. When the day was breaking, John chapter 21, verse 4, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus therefore said to them, children, you don't have any fish, do you? Which is a horrible question to ask fishermen. And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, you'll find a catch. Now this had happened at the beginning when, when Jesus called Peter to follow him, this very exact same thing had happened. They'd been fishing all night. They hadn't caught anything. Jesus said, put your net down on the other side. And they said, okay, Lord, we've been fishing all night. We're fishermen. You're a teacher. What do you know? But nevertheless, at your word, we'll do it. Put the net in. They, they get a catch so great they can't reel it in. They can't bring it in. They can't bring the net up. The disciple, therefore, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now, I love this. John, writing the Gospel of John, refers to this disciple whom Jesus loved. That's him. He's talking about himself. He's saying, he says this four times in this Gospel. Hey, guys, I don't, you know, there were 12 disciples, but I was his favorite. You know, I don't know if you know this, but did you know that you're God's favorite? You're, you, you're God's favorite. See, John understood that. He understood that he was God's favorite. How many of you, you, you have favorite children? Which of your children is your favorite? All of them. It's all of them. They're all different. They all have different needs. They're, they all have different struggles. Sometimes they're your favorite more when they're trouble than they are when they're behaving. Because you, because you know they need more help. So he says, so he says to Peter, Peter. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Don't you recognize it's the Lord? And so Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. And he swims to the sea to have meet with Jesus. You know what Jesus asked him? He says, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I, I love you, Lord. He says, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep. He asked him a third time. How many times did he deny him? Three times. Three times he says to him, Peter, do you love me? You, are you sure? Because you said you did, but then you denied me. Are you sure you love me? Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know all things. You know all things. You know my heart. You know if I love you or not. You know that I love you. He says, then feed my sheep. So what's the difference? Two guys.
Judas ran from God, and Peter ran to God. He recognized that he needed help. He swam to shore. And what did he get when he got there? Did he get rebuked? No, he got forgiveness. The Lord met him with a fish for breakfast. You know? That's what the Lord will do for us when we run to him. You see, what's the difference? You see, when we read about Judas in the Bible, Judas always referred to to Jesus as rabbi, which means teacher. Peter always referred to Jesus as Lord. You see, there's a difference. To Judas, he was still the center of his universe And Jesus was along to teach him some good stuff. So when he failed, he didn't have anybody to go to. But for Peter, Jesus was his Lord. So when he failed, it wasn't about him. He was able to run to his master and Savior and Lord. And there, receive forgiveness. You see, is Jesus your teacher? Is he an add-on? Is it a good thing? Or is he Lord? Because making him Lord makes a difference. He's there with you in the failure. He says to Peter, hey, Peter, you're going to fail. Heads up, dude. Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. Guess what? I gave him permission. He said, but afterwards, you're going to return and strengthen your brothers. That's what recovering from failure does. When you recover from failure, you bring some people along with you because they see God's grace and forgiveness at work in your life. Amen. You got to get up. Learn everything you can from the mistakes that you made and get close to God. He'll help you overcome your fear of failing again. Amen. Let's stand together. Amen. We're going to be at the front. If some of you need prayer today, if there's some area of your life you'd like prayer, we will be here to pray with you. So, Father, thank you that you help us overcome failure. We want you right at the center of our life. Not on the edge, not on the periphery, not just an add-on. We don't need Jesus and religion and church as an add-on. We need you, Jesus. We need you at the very core and center of our being. We need you at the very center of our life. We need you to be the Lord of it all. We just declare that. Lord, we need you. We need your help. Lord, help those that have fallen to get up, those that have failed to get up today, to learn what they need to learn. And to draw near to God because he will draw near to us. Help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. Have a great week. Great week. And uh, we'll be here up front if anybody would like some prayer.